0: Matthew chapter 5 and we're going to read verses 21 through 48. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfil to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you, and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your, neighbors, sorry, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect.
1: Good evening, everyone. My name's Jeff. Uh, it's great to be looking at this passage with you. Most of the week here, uh, there's lectures for uni... Uh, This week, there were lectures on creative writing and financial planning. So, this lecture theatre, social sciences lecture theatre, this week, there was creative writing, there was financial planning. Uh, On Friday, there was an engineering lecture for the Risk, Reliability and Safety Unit, which I think would have been excellent. Um, uh, But tonight, the topic is perfection verse 48 be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect now given that's our topic for tonight how do you expect to feel at the end of this talk how do you think you'll feel at the end of this talk guilty Uh, inadequate hopeless. Jesus says, be perfect. Uh, That's what his instruction is. How is that possible? It feels ridiculous, doesn't it? It feels ridiculous for him to say that. Uh, But that's our topic for tonight. And I hope that at the end, uh, instead of feeling despair or uh, hopelessness or uh, shame or guilt I hope that uh, you feel something more complex, something harder to put your finger on. Uh, Not comfortable, but not despairing either. So let's get into it. Where are we? Uh, The Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is where we are in Matthew, uh, it's Jesus teaching his disciples. Uh, He's gathered a new people of God and he's uh, telling them as God's king how they are to live as his people. And last week, Chris explained uh, what it means uh, for Jesus to fulfil the law. That's what it says that he's come to do. Uh, That he didn't come to get rid of the Old Testament law, but to maximise it. Uh, Not focusing in on the tiny uh, details of the law to make sure that you never fall on the wrong side of it. Uh, No, Jesus uh, calls his disciples to a greater righteousness. Righteousness a greater righteousness than just uh, rule-keeping, one that maximises uh, the righteousness that we can do. And so uh, in tonight's passage, we see that in action. Uh, Jesus gives us six case studies, six examples of what it looks like to have this greater righteousness that's more than the Pharisees and the rule-keepers... And so we see through these examples how Jesus extends and deepens the law. Now, uh, we could make tonight about any one of those six topics. We could do a talk on anger or lust. Uh, But why do one or two when we can do six? Uh, And I think the point of a case study is to draw our attention to understand the principles better uh, so, tonight, we're going, to try and, we're going to go through all six of these things, but we're going to try and see the principles at work behind them. We will do some hard application on each, but we want to see the guiding principles. I've got three. Be more concerned about the heart than about rules. Be more concerned about the ideal than the concession. And be more concerned about grace than honour. They're the principles that Jesus lays out to be perfect. Firstly, be more concerned about the heart than the rules. Have a look there at case study number one, murder. Verse 21. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. All the case studies uh, follow that same pattern. Uh, You have heard that it was said, uh, the Old Testament law, but I tell you uh, Jesus steps it up. He isn't getting rid of the Old Testament law, he's fulfilling it, he's taking it to the next level and saying this is the true intention of the law. God isn't just concerned with the rule, do not murder. No, God cares about the heart. Anyone who is angry, anyone who treats another person with contempt, says, you fool, He says it's the same, it will draw the same judgment. And actually, you can sense the justice there. Just think of an example. One guy gets angry and punches someone outside a nightclub and just knocks him out. He's okay the next day. The next night, a different guy uh, punches someone else and this time the victim dies. Now, isn't it the same anger at the heart of those Two acts. And doesn't that same anger flash within us as well? Maybe we don't act it out in the same way, but God judges the heart. And our hearts can break the do not murder law, even if we don't commit that crime. And Jesus' warning is serious. He says uh, that anyone who angers will face God's eternal punishment of hell because God judges the heart. So be more concerned about the heart than the rules. If your brother or sister has something against you, sort that out. Uh, Jesus says even if you're at the temple... Uh, you've travelled for days to go and make this pilgrimage to Jerusalem and you remember that uh, a friend has something against you. Leave your gift and go back home. Travel home, set it right. Be reconciled first before your act of worship. That's how important your heart is to God. And so it's right that we ask ourselves tonight, uh, is there anyone that you are not reconciled with is there a relationship where you have hostility and anger in it jesus says to fix that set that right do it tonight go home straight away ask for forgiveness offer forgiveness pay that debt be more concerned about the heart than the rules You see that same principle in the next case study, adultery, verse 27. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus walks into the room and accuses everyone of adultery. Isn't that outrageous? But... He says that's what it means to fulfil the law. Yes, the rule says do not commit adultery, but Jesus is concerned with the heart. Did you see that in verse 28? But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That is where the sin resides. Two things to say about this. Uh, firstly, Jesus is addressing men, but it applies to women just the same. Uh, two, uh, that word lustfully is actually a, a purpose clause. It means in order to lust. Uh, it has that drive behind it, the intention. And so Jesus isn't saying that you can't find someone physically attractive. You can. Maybe you already do. Uh, but it's the next thing. He's saying that you can turn that into sin, to to look with sexual desire, to lust. Jesus says uh, that is the same as adultery in the heart. And that is how high the bar is for true righteousness, the true righteousness that Jesus is saying. That is perfection. That is how high the bar is. Not down at the rule, which is no adultery. If you're just concerned about the rules, uh, you end up in just an absurd place. You you end up like Bill Clinton when he was impeached over the sex scandal uh, back in the 90s, uh, claiming I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And adultery doesn't come down to technicalities. It's about the heart. So be more concerned about the heart than the rules. And I think that uh, this teaching of Jesus has Uh, some really hard applications for us in our modern world. Because in our uh, image-saturated world, uh, lust is a problem. This passage isn't uh, specifically talking about pornography, but I think we have to apply it in that way. Is there any way that a Christian can justify pornography of any kind? Surely that porn is only about lust. It has that purpose to it. And there can be no justification for it. Porn is not part of the Christian life. It deserves God's punishment. And Jesus says, you should do whatever you can to be rid of it. Verse 29. If your right eye causes you to stumble gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. It would be better for you to go home tonight and throw every device you have in the bin than to go on looking at porn lustfully. And I've known people who've done that who have taken drastic measures, who've disconnected the internet, who've put on monitoring software, who've got rid of their smartphone, uh, done whatever it takes to obey Jesus here. Uh, he says, gouging out your eye, cutting off your hand, that, Jesus doesn't want you to literally do that. He's using shocking language to make a point, to say, do whatever it takes, even costly sacrifices, to get rid of sinful lust. If you want help with that, please uh, talk to someone, talk to a a Christian friend, talk to me, uh, Chris, who was up last week, Tiff, who read the Bible. Talk to someone, do it tonight. Be more concerned about your heart than about the rules. That's the first principle. Uh, The second principle for maximum righteousness, for perfection is to be more concerned about the ideal than the concession. More concerned about the ideal than the concession. That's what's going on here in case study three and four, divorce and oaths. Now, there's a lot that we uh, could and should say about divorce, but we're not going to focus on it tonight because that topic will come up again in Matthew 19 uh, in a much bigger way, Uh, and here, Jesus' teaching on divorce and oaths kind of works the same way. Uh, you see, the law included these concessions, uh, rules that aimed to limit uh, the impact of human sin. So uh, an allowance for divorce and a system of oaths to help dishonest people somehow keep their word. Uh, In court, uh, in a courtroom, we ask witnesses to swear an oath because in everyday life, you can't really trust what people say. Uh, So God's law had them as a a concession to human dishonesty. But in both cases, divorce and oaths, uh, the law wasn't really hoping that you would use that concession. God's intention was different God wants faithfulness in marriage and truthfulness in speech. That's the ideal. The real goal is uh, no need for divorce, no need for oaths. And so Jesus teaches his disciples about the ideal. Verse 34, do not swear an oath at all. Verse 37, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Imagine a world where people were like that. They told the truth. They did what they said. When they clicked going, that it actually meant that they were going. And they went. Incredible. Are you like that? Where your words are so consistent you would never need an oath. Never need to make an extra special promise. That's what Jesus is calling his people to, that greater righteousness. Be more concerned with the ideal than with the concession. So, so far, be more concerned with the heart than the rules. Be more concerned with the ideal than the concession. And finally, be more concerned about grace than honour. Uh, That's what case study five and six are all about. They're from verse 38. He says, You've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. This is a great example of how rules can be twisted uh, to produce the opposite effect uh, to what was actually intended. Uh, when we hear someone say, eye for eye, uh, it normally means they want revenge. I want an eye for an eye. But in the Old Testament law, uh, that law was there to stop revenge, uh, especially the kind of revenge that keeps on escalating, uh, like a bikey war where you know one side has an insult and the other um, turns it into a bashing and then there's a drive-by and it just keeps on going and going. And in the ancient world, they had these kind of honour feuds where the violence wouldn't stop uh, because each new offence brought shame on the victim's family and they would have to retaliate and defend their honour. So God's law said punishment had to be eye for eye tooth for tooth, that is limited and proportional. So justice would be done and revenge could stop. But can you see where a law like that is pointing? The true intention behind that. Maximum righteousness means being willing to bear shame for the sake of others, for the sake of making peace. Jesus says, we're to be more concerned about grace than honour, our own honour. That's what's happening in the examples that he gives. Uh, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. A slap in the face was uh, something to do with honour. Uh, that kind of retains its meaning for us, doesn't it? It's a saying, oh, it was such a slap in the face when X happened. What we mean is, I was so offended. There was some shame brought on me by that. And Jesus says, wear the shame. Don't retaliate. Turn the other cheek. Rather, be shamed again than to protect your own honour by hurting another. It's just such an outrageous ethic. It's so outrageous for Jesus to say this. Who does that? Can you think of a time when you were offended? Uh, When someone uh, told a lie about you? When someone cut you off? Don't you just get that urge to, to get back at them? Or at least kind of go passive aggressive against them and cold shoulder them for the rest of the night? Jesus is calling us to do something completely unnatural here. Instead, Jesus calls on his people to show grace. Grace, undeserved kindness to others. Uh, For example, case study six, love your enemies. Verse 43, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, the first half of the instruction uh, is from the Old Testament law, uh, but the Pharisees uh, had kind of assumed the second half. Uh, If we love our neighbour, then uh, surely we should hate our enemies. But Jesus commands grace, not just to love our friends, but uh, love for people who really we have no reason to love. The whole thing is an oxymoron, isn't it? The the definition of an enemy is someone who doesn't deserve your love. How can you love an enemy? But God's people are to show undeserved love. Love that the other person hasn't deserved. Because that is what God does. Did you see that? Verse 45. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And Jesus says we're to be children of a father like that. Is that what you're like? Is that what we're like? Are we people who love those who don't deserve it? Does that even feel possible for you? To love those who would harm us. If our church began to be persecuted, would we love those and pray for those doing the persecuting? That's what Jesus is asking for here. Be more concerned about grace than honour. Be more concerned about the ideal than the concession. Be more concerned about the heart than the rules. And he wraps it up with that verse. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we're back at the beginning. How does it feel? It feels overwhelming, doesn't it? We just think, we can't do this. I, I can't be perfect. But I think the key is there in verse 48, that verse. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. See, Jesus is talking to children, children of God. He's not saying, do this and it will make you children of God. He's saying, "Uh, you are children of God. This is how you live out being a child of God. This is how you show the family likeness. Jesus' teaching here isn't a front door, it's a kitchen table, it's not how you get in, uh, it's, it's what life is like once you're in the house. Uh, as an example, my children do not currently display the behaviour that is expected of them at the dinner table. There's the burping, there's the throwing food. Uh, the throwing food is normally a catapult of, with the fork, you know. Uh, there's the sliding under the table, which I find infuriating, uh, (laughs) they don't meet the hunt standards, and we don't even have high standards. (laughs) But they're our children, and their presence at our kitchen table isn't dependent on their behaviour. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't teach them how to behave, we still want them to have uh, good table manners... And so we teach them what we hope that one day they will be. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He isn't showing us the front door. This isn't a new set of rules to follow to be allowed in the house, a new set of now impossible rules. No, this is for people who belong to Jesus, who've been rescued by Him, children of God have been brought in, seated at God's kitchen table. And Jesus wants you to live the family way. And it's the way that God's people will live one day. The life of the age to come, the new creation life, is this life here in Matthew 5. A real life of maximum righteousness, purity of heart, of boundless love for the other. That is the life that is in store for all those now trusting in Jesus. At the start, I asked how you thought you'd be feeling at the end. I don't know exactly how you're feeling now, But I think that this passage ought to create a yearning. Matthew 5 ought to create a yearning. A yearning for our own lives to be this good. A a recognition that they're not. A mourning that our lives are not like that only up to the fact that we are poor in spirit. As Jesus says in Matthew 5 verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom belongs to those who recognise that we are yearning to be different and yearning to change. Change with a hunger and thirst for righteousness, not just rule-keeping righteousness, but this kind of righteousness. And a yearning for the day when we will be like that, made new in the image of Jesus. Why don't we pray? Father God, thank you so much uh, for the Lord Jesus for his wonderful uh, love for us, dying in our place. We thank you that you are a God who loves enemies, those who don't deserve it. And Father, we do long uh, to live rightly as your children, with pure hearts, uh, true lips, and love for those around us. And we pray, Father, that you would transform us by your Spirit and that you would hold us firmly to Jesus until he returns. And we pray in his name. Amen.